0: Hello, my name is Paige Suffoletti. Welcome to our first episode of Tough Topics, Conversations About Politics and Faith. We'll get into the episode here shortly, but just a brief introduction. This is the first conversation of many where we will go through various conversation topics and discuss how our politics have changed over time. Um, one thing that I do want to note, the audio is a little bit wonky and as this is our first conversation, we do hope to improve that over time, but I hope that you can bear with us. There's also a video format that is unproduced that will be in the link in the show notes. So check that out if you prefer to see our shining faces, but with that being said, here is the first episode. I hope you enjoy. Hi, welcome to Tough Topics, conversations about how faith and politics collide. We're two women from a conservative Christian background here to discuss our faith journeys and how the closer we got to Jesus, the more liberal our political beliefs became. These videos represent questions and conversations that we wish to have with conservative Christians to help them understand God's working in our lives and how we've come to some of our political beliefs. I'm
1: Lydia and I'm Paige. And today we're going to have an introductory conversation about how we can view politics and faith. And in later videos, we'll tackle some specific topics such as race, abortion, women's equality. We believe listening to people's stories is important. Let's get started.
0: With that being said, Lydia, first, let's introduce ourselves. Talk about yourself and why having these conversations is so important to you.
1: As I said, my name is Lydia Pash. I was raised in an ultra-conservative Christian home. My dad was a missionary, so I literally spent 90% of my childhood in church, and I don't remember a time when I didn't know about Jesus and his work. By the time I was 12, for example, I had read through the entire Bible multiple times, um had, been, had read the full biographies of heroes of the faith, like Hudson Taylor, Jim Elliott, Iden Irum Judson, and, as well as classics like Pilgrim's Progress. And I was teaching Sunday school, mostly to my younger siblings, but um, I was teaching Sunday school at that age as well on a weekly basis. I was homeschooled for the majority of my um, schooling years until we went to Germany as missionaries. And then I was introduced to German public school, which I attended for five years before going back to homeschool to finish high school. Unlike many of my contemporaries, I never really went through that rebellious stage where I rejected God or anything. I always went to church. I always followed the rules. I, I did what was expected of me, you know, as a missionary's daughter, as, you know, preacher's kid, all of that. I. I mean, the biggest thing I did was I listened to the Backstreet Boys that my parents wouldn't allow yeah. me to do, you know, that I'm was my Ramble. rebellious phase. <laughs> um, although, if you ask my mom or my siblings, they might say I'm trying to make up for it now because I got tattoos <laughs> and I wear pants and all of that stuff. But um But you know, I never really went through that stage. I went to church regularly, you know, I did all of that. And so Sundays were like my busiest day of the week. And Mm -hmm. I used to say that with pride, like that was, that was a, a statement that we made with pride, you know, Hey, I'm so busy on Sundays. And however, today my Sundays are a little bit more relaxed. My husband and I, and our three kids still attend church, but usually we only go to one service instead of three we don't spend all day at church but we um we do still spend a lot of time in god's word and while i disagree with many of the teachings that i was taught growing up i am very thankful for the foundations of studying and searching the scripture that was that was put into my heart because that's been key to everything i have become Um, I received a little Bible when I was born. My parents had for me that was a little New Testament that somebody had given me as a as a baby gift, and they had underlined um, 2 Timothy 3.15, and I feel like this has actually been very true for me, that from a child, I had known the Holy Scriptures, and they were able to make me wise to salvation and faith through Christ, and so... I want to utilize, I feel like a lot of times, like the scriptures aren't, aren't. Uh, we don't always have that good basis in scripture. And I wanna make sure that any of my beliefs are grounded in scripture. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. They think I just went liberal, you know, but really it yeah. was getting deeper into scripture that led me to believe these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how about you Paige? Yeah.
0: That's really good, and I just want to say, like, I see those things in you, like, <laughs> like I see that in your life. So, um, for me, uh, my name is Paige Cuffoletti. um I'm married. We have a dog. Um, I grew up conservative. Um, my mom was not religious, um, but I had family members who brought me to church and introduced me to Jesus. Um, And I mean, I'm so thankful for that. (laughs) Mm. Um, But I did grow up in some more like, you know, really, really fundamentalist um, churches that ended up not being the most healthy. And so um, that meant that I kind of got attached some things to my faith that I'm now learning don't really have to be attached (laughs) so my faith is handed to me with kind of all of these extra things Mm
1: -hmm. um
0: attached to it and so really just the last 10 years of my life have been figuring out like what do I believe Mm -hmm. I see in the scriptures because ultimately like I'm going to be accountable to God Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so so much of of my faith like previously you know, would have been standing before Jesus and just being like, "Well, I mean, that's what they told me, so it's not wrong." Like, <laughs> um, whereas now I can say, like, even if I change my mind on something or or whatever, like I am studying, like I am doing what I see Jesus tell me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of why like this conversation and the conversations we're gonna have in the next couple weeks are so important to me is really twofold. So one is because you and I aren't going to agree on everything, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think it's really important to model how to have hard conversations and disagree in a healthy way, where like we leave and we're both humans. We have had a conversation that models human dignity. We're not name-calling. We're not vilifying. We're not calling each other baby murderers. Like we're disagreeing
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and maintaining dignity. Right. And the second thing is. I don't hear people who are Christian and who are progressive or liberal or whatever you want to say, having these kinds of conversations. But when I have heard them, they've been really, really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't want to talk about faith and politics. And typically the only ones who are, are coming from like a really particular conservative lens. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just, think it's so important that we are having these conversations and we're saying like, we've studied the scriptures and we've come to a different place than a lot of people we know, and here's Mm -hmm. why. Um, and then the people who are going to see these videos, I mean, we're going to know most of them, right? Like (laughs) I have, I hope (laughs) I have watched their kids. I've taught their kids Sunday school. I've brought them meals when they're sick. Like I'm a human Mm -hmm. (laughs) people who see this are going to know
1: me. Mm -hmm.
0: and I think a lot of times we hear these kinds of differing views from people we don't know and so it's easy to be like well they probably don't study the scriptures they probably don't love Jesus they're probably communists they're probably baby murderers like you know we we attach all these things to people that we don't agree with but a lot of people who are viewing this like they know me right they know that I love Jesus they know that I you know Mm. I'm just trying to do what I believe is right and so um I hope that these kinds of conversations can model what it looks like to disagree in a healthy way. Mm. And I hope that it also can bring humanity to people who might have a different opinion than people watching this.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So with that being said, today's topic is about how we view our political ethics. In other words, how do we make our political decisions in light of Jesus? you know what does it look like to make political decisions as a christian um so lydia if you were to describe your political ethic what would it be and how has it changed
1: i would say that my political ethics are grounded in what jesus called the second greatest commandment and that is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself and i'm going to apologize right now because i was raised on the king james version translation of the Bible. So when I quote the Bible, a lot of times these and thou's come out. I'm not trying to be. Um, we get it. You just wanna be really holy, okay? <laughs> not trying to be snooty, not better than thou or anything. <laughs> it's just, that's my roots and that's what I tend to fall back on. But back to the question, I look at governmental policies and reflect on how those policies actually will affect my neighbors especially if they don't look and think like me. Um, this wasn't always the case. I mean, growing up, I was taught that true Christians, you know, only voted Republican. And I was like horrified and shocked when I found out that a family friend and, um, and the, the worship leader at our church, Psalm leader, we called him, uh, at our church was, had voted for Clinton. Uh, bill, that is back in the day, and so you know I was just shocked. I thought I thought everybody voted republic every Christian voted Republican, and you know that that they promised to continue to restrict those ungodly actions, and they were the moral authority in in our government. And so that that was kind of you know what my upbringing wasn't. But early into my political journey, I started ha- asking questions. Like I started having questions myself about the idea of whether or not we should legislate morality and if that is the best way to share the gospel of jesus like people would tell me like we want we want to be a christian nation and we want to you know do these things because g because that's what the bible says and that's Mm -hmm. great and all but i started recognizing we don't live in a theocracy we never did, <laughs> you know, and that's not how God wants us to, to spread the word, you know, to spread Christianity. Like the goal is to, to show the love of Christ so much that people want what we have and spread the gospel. So when it comes to governing considering the rights of others and what other religions you know having the freedom to Mm -hmm. worship which understands how policies that existed that you know went 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 right along with my religious beliefs how that actually discriminated against someone else's rights and so Mm -hmm. learning about how that as a democracy my rights end where someone else's rights begin and my right to impose my beliefs on someone else has to do with that, that right, you know, that their right to understand and their right to live, to live how they see fit. And that basically God will deal with them how he sees fit, but that isn't, you know, that isn't for me to do. And I think, you know, kind of Romans 13, 10, where it talks about love being the fulfillment of the law, that's where Christians have gotten it wrong so much, especially in America. Mm-hmm. We're so focused on keeping the letter of the law that we're forgetting the part of it.
0: What about you, Paige? Yeah, that's all really good. Um, for me, I <laughs> growing up really in like really conservative spaces, I didn't have a political ethic of my own. I had what other people told me was the right political ethic. And I was so like, I wanted to believe the right things. Like I didn't, I didn't want to be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had these people who I looked at as like authorities in my life. And when something would come up and I would say like, Hmm, this is kind of weird. Like the death penalty, why are so many Christians for that? Tell mm. me about this and they would you know oh well it's the way you know they would give their answer and I'm like okay like you're the authority I guess mm. I guess you're right you know or my friends you know my best friend's dad would insist that you can't be a woman and be president, and that's a sin and it's like well I don't want to vote for something that's a sin like mm-hmm. I don't want to vote for sin
1: mm-hmm. okay like <laughs> yeah. yeah and a lot of times you know- it's pose that way
0: yeah and so so many people would tell me in in what I now understand is a pretty specific way of seeing things that not every Christian agrees with Mm -hmm. (laughs) but every Christian I grew up with agreed with it Mm -hmm. and so you look around and if everybody is telling you that voting for a democrat is going to destroy christianity in america like i don't want to be a part of that
1: <laughs> right <laughs> um,
0: and so a lot of it was just you know me asking these questions and getting these answers from really well-meaning people and then i just was like okay o- okay i believe you i guess because and i was doing that with a lot of things i was doing that with my faith i was doing that with theology i was doing that with politics i was doing that with a lot of things like i would ask these questions these, authority, these you know, male authority figures in my life would give me an answer. And I'm just like, oh, that sounds really problematic, but I guess you're right. Um, so for me, how that has really changed is taking the ownership from what other people tell me is important to Jesus, what other people tell me is a priority for Christians, what other people tell me Jesus would do like what would Jesus do he would vote for a Republican that's I mean that's what I was taught
1: mm-hmm.
0: um I honestly don't know if Jesus would vote for a Republican or a Democrat but that's another story <laughs> uh <laughs> right exactly um but like I, you know so all of these things were kind of superimposed onto me and then once I really started saying like these answers don't match with what I actually see in scripture.
1: So mm.
0: um, I've been given these priorities and I'm reading scripture and what I see the priorities of Jesus being just didn't match anymore. And it became like really, really clear. So, I mean, like I didn't vote in, um, like when Obama was president, I didn't vote for either candidate because I was like, I, I don't like this candidate but I feel like I have to vote for them and I feel like I can't vote for this candidate and so I just didn't vote like for a really long time I was in this place where I was like I can't make any of these decisions because Mm -hmm. me voting for who I'm told to vote for feels wrong but it's a sin to vote for this other person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I just didn't for a really long time and I mean it was several years of just not not voting until I really had to ask myself some hard questions and say like what do I believe the ethic of Jesus is
1: mm-hmm.
0: and for me like just like you said it's loving God loving your neighbors and loving yourself and so I think a lot of us think the best way to love people is to dominate them and to control them mm-hmm. and so that's how we vote um we love them by controlling what they do mm-hmm. but that's not the love that I see in God. That's not the love that I see in, in God. The love that I see in God is like walking with people through really hard things and helping them. Mm-hmm. The love that I see in scripture is Matthew 25, where it talks about the sheep and the goats and that what we do for people here matters as though we're doing it for Jesus himself. Like would we mm-hmm. clothe the poor, when we take care of the sick and the oppressed and the prisoner, Mm -hmm. those things matter, not just physically, but spiritually. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it has really been, and as we go through these conversations, I think that will like unfold a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but the way that I make my political decisions is genuinely based off the priorities and the way that I see Jesus living. Um, And anything that doesn't align with, with Jesus, I, I have to hold very open-handed and, and just say, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. Doesn't line up with Jesus. It it goes on a shelf for me (laughs) Mm -hmm. and maybe it will come off the shelf later, but Mm -hmm. so much of how I previously viewed politics was so divorced from what I see in the gospels and and divorced of what I see Jesus do and how he speaks to people and how he treats people and how he loves people that anything that doesn't align with that gets put on a shelf for me right now
1: mm-hmm. so um, I think that's a very wise wise way of looking at things
0: <laughs> I think we'd all be better off if
1: we started looking at it more from what did Jesus really say rather than what I was taught Jesus said
0: <laughs> yeah and it's really not the same Hmm. Um. So, I mean, I also ask myself these kinds of questions, like, how do I best love my neighbor with this vote?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does
0: that look like? You know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So that brings us to our next question, um, Lydia. What is most important to you in how we discuss politics in life?
1: Well, I think the um, the biggest thing that we need to start doing is we need to start having these conversations. Um, especially as we're coming out of this, you know, season where there's been so much polarizing and so much, um, distancing of the different sides. And I think we really just need, I think for some reason, politics became a really taboo subject and people stopped talking about it, which allowed some of these more extremist ideas to flourish and grow. Because they're hidden in the background, and since nobody's talking about them, we've had these conversations lately. You know where we've talked to specific people, and they were surprised that someone had had said, you know, the things that you and I see as it on a daily basis. You know, from the other side, like. that conservatives had actually, you know, come out and said that you were a baby killer because you voted for Hillary when you never, you didn't even vote for her, right?
0: Yeah, I didn't vote for Hillary, (laughs) but so many people, I get called, I mean, if I got a million dollars every time I was called a baby murderer, I might be Jeff Bezos by now.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, and so, you know, those, those hateful comments and those things, And a lot of people blame the internet, you know, that it's so hateful on social media and all of that. And social media plays a part, I think, because we can distance ourselves from the person a -hmm. little bit, because maybe I don't know you as well, and I'm talking through a keyboard, so I'm not reading facial cues, and I'm not as conscientious of how my words may be taken. But at the same time, we have have to start having these conversations because if we don't start having conversations, this is only going to get worse. And we need to, we need to start having conversations and start talking about, you know, the middle ground again, coming back to, you know, what benefit, what, what politics are supposed to do, which is benefit our, our, um, our country and our neighbors. And it needs to become more about that been about legislating morality or legislating our personal brand of christianity or any of those things because that's not what one christianity was about it's never been about power and taking control through those means and two it's not what our politics are about here in the united states either so we need to make sure that we're, you know, living up to the, those callings. And then I think the second most important thing is, and this is a little bit harder to, to do, is the, <laughs> is the calling out and standing firm on the things that are really, there are some things that we cannot agree to disagree on, right? Like we cannot agree to disagree on fascism, You know, we cannot agree to disagree on racism. There, there are certain lines that have to be drawn where we say, this isn't something that as a Christian, I can just turn my back on and say, well, it's okay for you to have your opinion. Well, I mean, you can have your opinion, but you're gonna be wrong based on what the Bible teaches us about caring for others. you know. And I've had this used against me a lot with the abortion debate, and we'll get into that later, you know, in more detail, but I think it's important, you know, for some people that abortion is going to be that, that firm line in the sand for them. For other people, it's not. And we need to have a validation with some of that. And to understand that for some people looking at this from a different perspective, um, I don't believe that, that abortion should be a line in the sand because I believe that scripture shows different things about that. And I don't want to get in depth with <laughs> that right now. I'm kind of, kind of going a little off script here, but, um, at, but at the same time, I wanna make sure, sh- I think that there are some things like, like I said, like racism and fascism and some of those things where it's very clear that these things harm our neighbors and that we need to, as Christians, be on the right side of history, take, the, take a stand for what is right and not mm-hmm. for what is politically expedient for us in this time, you know? And mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of that um, in there. So I think it, it's a balancing act, you know? It's a balancing act of making sure that everyone's voice is heard, but at the same time calling out those those issues and standing firm and saying, you know, there, there are really some things we are not going to be able to agree to disagree on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, How I about think, you? How? What are some things that you feel are are um, important for you?
0: Yeah, I think you know a lot of what I've already said, like maintaining human dignity inside of a conversation mm-hmm. on both sides. And I, I love what you said, like having the conversation. <laughs> I think that's. <laughs> I mean, that's really important. I don't know if this country you know, I've, I've read different, but a lot of people agree that like, we've never really had these kinds of conversations publicly, like in this country's history, we, people don't discuss politics with one another, that it was pretty taboo to discuss politics outside of your like immediate family until really recently, until we started getting things like social media and, you know, different kinds of cable television where you have different kinds of opinions and you know like that this is a pretty new thing and Mm -hmm. when we started having these conversations it wasn't inside of it was people you don't know or social media where you're not looking at somebody's face you're not talking to them you're I mean really we've never had these conversations in a humanized way um, it's, and it, again, I know I've read, like, people who <laughs> might disagree with that, that there's nuance there, but by and large, most people, like, my grandparents would not have talked about politics with their friends,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, they might have, like, talked about it inside of their family, um, and a lot of people didn't even do that, mm. and so, we have come to this point in time in these last couple decades, where talking about politics for a lot of people is no longer a taboo. For some people, it really is. They'd be really uncomfortable that we were having this conversation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and there's there's space for you here. Welcome. Okay. <laughs> I hope that you <laughs> yeah. will listen. Um, but when we really started having these conversations, it was on cable news and it was on, um, you know, Facebook, and it was on, I'm going to copy and paste this email chain to 27 of my friends. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you're a real person, and I'm a real person, we're both going to maintain our human dignity, and we're going to have this conversation. And so I think that is like, my biggest goal, more than like getting my point across more than changing anybody's mind more than any of that. It's like, If I'm going to have a conversation with somebody about politics, they need to respect my human dignity and I will respect their human dignity. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if we really disagree, (laughs) like (laughs) there in my life that I fiercely disagree with. Like you've said, like, Mm. I, I can't say to you that I agree to disagree on racism. I can mm-hmm. understand that you don't think racism is real and I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you that I think you're wrong mm-hmm. because I think racism hurts you just like it hurts the people that are of a different race.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: race you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. especially when people are using Bible verses to prop up things that are oppression, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> a real problem right. with that. I can mm-hmm. still, You know, like I can have a conversation with somebody who's doing that and who is trying to tell me, you know, that because revelation, blah, 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 I'm going to justify racism. I don't even want to like say what these, I don't even (laughs) want to like justify that by saying (laughs) the actual (laughs) argument, but like I hear these crazy things and I can say like, okay, you're a person, you believe that I'm very strongly going to tell you that you're wrong and why you're wrong. But I'm not going to dehumanize you. I'm not going to devalue you. I'm not going to call you names. And I'm not going to let you do those things to me. Right. Because above all else, like we have human dignity. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take that from you. And I will not let you take that from me in a conversation. And so there are lots of people that I don't have these conversations with if they have proven over time that they can't maintain human dignity right but there are also people that I still fiercely disagree with and we still have these conversations Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because we maintain that that baseline of of dignity and value right and so I think like any time that gets removed from a conversation when we start calling people names when we start um like saying, well, you can't be a Christian and believe those things. Like, no, that's taking their human dignity away. Like mm-hmm. there are people who are Christians that I think are wrong about a lot of things, but they mm-hmm. are still Christian. I'm not right. taking that right. away from them. I'm not, you know, I, I will be very, and then something we can't agree to disagree on, right? Like, sure, mm-hmm. you can have very different opinions for me And I not tell you that I think you're wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, I mean, we 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 can agree to
0: disagree. You know, minimum wage. (laughs) Sure, and I'm not gonna be like, well, Lydia, you're just wrong. I'm sorry, you're wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna do that. I am gonna do that with a a couple of things. And and when, and really, I mean, it's when we start taking dignity away from other people. Racism takes Mm. dignity away from other people. And right. so pretending that racism isn't real still takes dignity from other people. Um, when we Absolutely. start in an abortion conversation talking about women, like they're cool people. I'm sorry, like I will not discuss women as though they're evil monsters because I don't.
1: So right. like
0: in a conversation when your political opinion devalues and degrades and dehumanizes and humiliates people, I'm sorry, I think that's wrong. And I will tell you so to your face, I will do it in a way that still maintains your dignity. So, mm. um, that's a lot, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm a spicy person sometimes, so that's what one it is. Um, okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> this one won't be spicy at all either. This one's not at all. Um, so Lydia, how have you felt misunderstood when it comes to politics or political ethics in conversations with others?
1: I think the probably biggest thing, biggest area where I felt misunderstood is that the idea of a political endorsement means a moral agreement with that lifestyle or religion or policy. So Mm -hmm. um, we've touched a little bit on abortion and LGBTQ is going to be another conversation that we're having and kind of the... The idea with both of those that if I support, for example, a woman's right to choose, that means I must be pro-abortion, that I'm, (laughs) I'm, you know, willing to just go out and kill babies all the time. No, for me, that's a tragedy. And, you know, again, we'll get into that much later, whatever is causing, I just see it as whatever is causing that woman to make that decision is extremely tragic and so that there's more to it than just the decision itself yes the decision is tragic but i want to look beyond just that decision and see her as a whole human being and see what is happening in her life that is causing her to make that decision you know and i feel like we can support women better when it's legal and so we'll get into that later but it's also you know the same thing if you if you talk about lgbtq issues and supporting their right to marriage Mm -hmm. you know we can argue all day long about whether or not biblically that marriage is Mm -hmm. um condoned by god you know and there's scriptures that i feel are very strong that against that you know and there's different interpretations of those scriptures right but even if i agree that it's a sin even if that were my viewpoint and i'm not saying that it is but even if that were my viewpoint i can still see their dignity and see their worth and say they should not be discriminated against because of their choices they Mm -hmm. should be able to marry and have the same rights as I and my husband do they should be allowed to have a job and not worry about their boss being able to fire them because he disagrees with their lifestyle choices or you know being able to rent an apartment and not get thrown out because the landlord disagrees with their lifestyle choices and i think that's you know to me it becomes about the human again we're you know like you said the human dignity And that dignity piece and that recognizing that, hey, they deserve the same rights as I do. And so, you know, having that misinterpreted and having that be turned around and say, well, you just are going against God and his word and God's rightful way of things, you know, that has been one of the hardest things to try and explain to people because it's like, you know, they they can't even listen (laughs) past the argument that, you know, they, they see that, hey, I'm supporting this, and all the walls come up, and it's like, they're blocked in, and we can't get past that conversation to talk about the human dignity piece, the piece behind it, the person who is, you know, who they're actually, and how that actually comes across to someone, you know, and how that comes across, and how you're, you know, if we're trying to show them the love of christ <laughs> kicking them out of yeah. the apartment and calling that love <laughs> is not is not god's love right and so yeah. i say i, I think- also think
0: that goes back to what you said earlier that like america is not a theocracy so i can't force other people to adhere to my religious
1: belief <laughs> right right and, and that's- that really
0: ties in here
1: Yeah, and I think that's a big thing that we as Christian Americans need to remember and need to have those discussions about and keep talking about and saying, yes, we believe this, but we also believe in the human dignity of these people and they have rights. What, you know, how that, how we incorporate that into our churches, that may be up for debate, but how we incorporate that in our government. That's not up for debate, in my opinion. And that's one of the things that I feel like has been the most difficult to get people to understand is like, you know, I may be completely on your side with this, but I believe they have the right in the government side of things to do things and to live and work freely without fear of repercussions, just like I'm allowed to live out my religion without repercussions yeah so yeah. what about you how have you felt misunderstood and misidentified um, maybe I have never
0: felt misunderstood never? So good in these <laughs> conversations I feel like it goes really well Um just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean not to like really be on the dehumanization trail um I feel like I've brought that up like a ton but Mm -hmm. I think it's it's a really big problem in how we talk about politics Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I mean I get assigned things all the time um I know we joked about it earlier but like I mean I genuinely get told so often that because I vote for a democrat I have the blood of babies in hand. like I get told that mm-hmm. and for somebody who is at the same time pro-choice and pro-life I think you can be both I think mm-hmm. that you can very 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 fiercely fight to save the lives of babies while also not taking away health care choices from women
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and part of how I came to that view is like very deeply based in the dignity of unborn children like i have talked about a lot about human dignity and i also believe that unborn children have human dignity and so i want to reduce abortions like I, i want to do that that is very important to me it is actually the most important things i vote for but people assume that it's like last on my list and so i think if Where I feel most misunderstood is that so many people think that I just relinquish my religious belief and just say, well, I'm going to be a liberal and I don't really care what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to be a liberal. And I also just want to really clearly say, I don't identify as a liberal. Quite frankly, I identify as an independent. But if I had to choose between our two current main parties, yeah, I would I would be a liberal (laughs) (laughs) I don't really feel like the democratic party is like a super great fit for me and so I'm not a democrat I don't fault people who are Mm -hmm. I think that is a totally valid choice but I personally I'm not a democrat and I don't know that I ever will be one because it it, it's not a great fit for how I see politics Mm -hmm. it's better than the other side right now for Mm -hmm. me Mm-hmm. Um, but it it also isn't like a, a cozy fit where I'm like, oh yes, I just love everything Nancy Pelosi says. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's the best. <laughs> like that isn't that isn't where I am, <laughs> like, right? I, and so, like I just really clearly want to say that because I think so often I get categorized as this like socialist, communist, radical leftist, and it's <laughs> like okay, if like if, I, that doesn't offend me. Mm-hmm. That, that offends me zero percent. Like, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> that's how you like. If that's how you want to categorize me, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. because I also understand that compared to where a lot of other people are, like that is how they would categorize me. Right, how I categorize myself, but I do understand that, and it doesn't. I mean, like people. People call me like an antifa member, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, seeing
1: that it's anti-fascist, I think we should be antifa.
0: <laughs> and I do understand that antifa does a lot of violent things, and I definitely don't condone violence, like all the right. Things. But like at the end of the day, like people want to assign these labels to me, and I'm just like, okay, no <laughs> okay, that's not how I describe myself. But if that's how you want to see me, that's fine. Um. I think it's under.
1: Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. (laughs) Oh, you're
0: okay. I was going to kind of go somewhere else. So if you want to jump in, go ahead.
1: Okay. Well, I was just going to say that I think a lot of it has to do with also understanding that there are multiple ways to, there's not one way to get to the solution. Like the solution with abortion, most Christians look at it as, oh, we have to you know, overturn Roe v. Wade and we have to do uh, do all these things in order to reduce the number of abortions when statistically it's been proven that there are other ways, other support systems that actually reduce the number of abortions more effectively. And that's where, you know, I think having these conversations is important because we're we're able to bring that to the table that it's not just this one size fits all solution to a problem mm-hmm. and that you know because like you said they're like they they just automatically assume that we're okay with abortions and mm-hmm. that couldn't be further from the truth for me and as you said oh, for yeah. you either you know so it's not so it's not like we're just truth. like I'm gonna go out and say sure kill your baby whatever you want to do you know it's not that I have it, offered friends to adopt their
0: babies instead of them going and having an abortion. So if anybody wants to tell me that I'm fine with that, they can literally come fight me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I'm yeah. really passionate about it. And that is like, so offensive to me when people say this, because it's like, I was 21 years old telling my friend that I would literally take her baby. Right. Right.
1: You know, and people don't understand
0: that. I'm myself. (laughs) 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 Because I like it. And yeah, like, just like you said, there's so many other ways. There's so many ways to, to impact something inside of policy. But so often with a couple of really specific things, if you vote for Democrats, you must not care about these things. You must not care about the, you know. A lot of people think, you know, like Democrats just want to get rid of churches and make the church in America not exist. And so if you vote for a Democrat, you must be really anti church or you must be pro aborting babies or you must be pro like dissolving marriage the way God intended. And like there's so much that we will, as we get into specific topics, that we will talk about with those things. Right. But I think where I just feel so misunderstood. Is that when we talk about values that Christians have, the right to life, Mm -hmm. um, human dignity, (laughs) Mm -hmm. loving our neighbor, taking care of the poor, Mm -hmm. um, uh, turning the tables on oppression, Mm -hmm. um, doing justice, right? Like these things are so important to me and they're so important to people who vote absolutely opposite of me. And that's because like we can have the same value or similar values. We just think the solution to those or the best way to work those out are different. Mm -hmm. And so I think like if I were just to really, really sum it up very briefly, which I'm so bad at, (laughs) <laughs> I would say where I feel most misunderstood is that like if I were just to say one thing, like I am voting based on the only way I can do so and stand before the face of Jesus and justify how I vote.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: that's really what I really how I think about it. Mm-hmm. I really vote. I, re- I don't just cast aside my religious beliefs when I vote mm. I say how can I most fully embrace my religious beliefs as I vote and I know maybe even you might do that a little bit differently because I think we might have a little bit of difference in and maybe not I mean you can to this <laughs> but maybe um you know you have said like and I agree with, like, we aren't a theocracy. We don't legislate our morals um, based on, and I do agree with that. I think I might be a little bit more comfortable legislating my some of my morals than others. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, for me, like, here's our little buzzword. I will always legislate human dignity every mm. single time. I mm-hmm. will choose, like, I will do that. Um, personally I, mm-hmm. I I won't legislate some other things <laughs> mm-hmm. but for me like I really do take that seriously mm-hmm. and so many people assume that I don't where they're mm-hmm. just like oh you must just totally separate the two and I like kind of have fully integrated them mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of people think is really weird. And some people think it's problematic and people can mm-hmm. have all sorts of opinions on how I do that. And,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but for me, like my political decisions are so very rooted in how I see Jesus. And I wish more people understood that, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, so last question. Um, what about the life or words of Jesus inspire you most about politics or political ethics, Lydia?
1: Um, so this one was really ch- a little bit challenging to, to me, uh, but, but I really feel like the biggest piece to me was Jesus always chose mercy and love over law and punishment. I mean, don't get me wrong. He stood for justice and righteousness and he was, you know, perfect in every way, you know, not just, you know, perfect in the fact that he never sinned, but even in his view of people, you know, and how he treated them, that was perfect as well. But he, he, even when he had the right. So we talk a lot about the woman who was caught in the sin of adultery and how she was brought before him. Jesus had ultimately as the son of God the right to condemn her the law explicitly condemned her now it also condemned the man that she was with which is you know another topic about you know how we, we want to discuss <laughs> you know how we want to discuss and why wasn't he present at the same time you know how how did and did that factor in how Jesus you know Jesus's judgment at that moment but he really, he, there was clearly guilt there and he knew it was guilt and he had the authority and the opportunity to pass judgment, but he provided mercy and forgiveness. And so, and he was always strictest with the religious crowd. And so that's another area that, you know, I get called out a lot because well, you always get on Christians and you're always yelling at Christians at their stuff. I'm like, Well, yeah, because that's what Jesus did. Like Jesus had his most compassion for those who were messing up all the time, who were floundering, who were, you know, who were sinners and knew they were sinners. You know what I mean? The ones that he really took to the task were always the religious people, the people who thought they had it all together, who looked down on other people. I mean, we could go back to that human dignity type of thing you know who think that their human dignity is rooted in their ability to follow the rules you know and that if you don't follow the rules then you're not worthy and you know jesus turned that whole concept on his head on its head and was like no i came for the sick i came for the people who need help if you're over here and you think you're fine you obviously don't need my help. When you figure out that you aren't fine, that's when we're going to have a conversation and we're going to be able to work together. And so I think I think looking at how Jesus interacted with people helps me want to interact better as a Christian with them in general, not just in my politics, but it does it does affect how I vote now because mm-hmm. Seeing that makes me want to say, well, again, this isn't a theocracy. <laughs> you know, my, my, the laws of my country are not based solely on the Bible and we don't govern with Christianity. We govern with the views of all religions in mind and the safety of all people. So we have to be equal in the eyes of the law and not put our beliefs above someone else's. And so I think it, you know, I wanna provide them with human dignity. I, I feel like if they have the same rights as me in before the law, and I'm not fighting against those rights, then they're more willing to listen to me and what I have to say about Jesus and what his love is and what he did and what he wants for their lives you know, they're going to be more willing to talk to me if I'm not standing in their face with a big old God hates fags sign, you know, or I'm not yelling and saying those things to them. And I totally do not believe that by the way, that was just an example that came to, Oh yeah. To my, I mean, those signs were on my college campus. Those signs
0: were downtown when we were, you know, doing art walk and, and stuff in high
1: school and, um, you know, the preacher on the side of the street yeah. with a bullhorn yelling at people and telling them God hates your sin, you because of your sin or God hates sin. You know, the, it's, a, it's a false, I want to say false dichotomy, but I know that's not the right word. But it's, a mean, false- it's a false gospel. Right. It's a false gospel. And the whole idea that you can love the sinner and hate the sin, that's just a complete oxymoron because you literally cannot do that. It's psychologically impossible we we
0: know that by some psychological research at this point but i mean but you know so when impossible.
1: we when you start hating that sin you start assigning that sin to that person and then you start hating that person And so you have to love the person jesus never said love the sinner hate the sin jesus said love he also
0: didn't go around yelling about how he hated people mm-hmm I I don't I'd be real curious to see a verse where he he led with that
1: well and And even if you look at like the the louder louder more bold John the Baptist you know John the Baptist was bold he he took a stand and he was very bold in what he said to you know King Herod about his relationship and those type of things but I believe there was a conversation taking place there you know what i mean it wasn't just think, he went and yelled at him yeah. for for doing that um i believe there was somewhat of a conversation happening with john and mm-hmm. and herod for some reason but he they always had a a line of think you know there was always a humanity to it it wasn't just calling out sin for sin's sake and saying you know god hates you <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah yes, not that Jesus judgment. doesn't judgment about <laughs>
0: sin yeah he definitely <laughs> talks about sin but he doesn't like stand at a well with a sign talking about all the reasons he hates sin like that's what i was saying like he leads with like humanity and being a person not like compassion a talking about all the people god hates yeah mm-hmm.
1: compassion and love and you know The Bible tells us if we cannot love our brother whom we have seen, how can we love God who we have not seen? You know, and that's, that's, you know, pretty, you know, if we're having trouble loving our brothers, and this isn't just our Christian brothers and sisters, this is our human brothers and sisters, you know, a lot of people like Mm -hmm. to say, well, that only applies to other Christians. So I don't have to be nice to you know, the sinners out there, God hates sin. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. You know, so we need Don't to love your enemy. Right. Right. Exactly. We love our exactly. enemy. Exactly. So if we're going to consider, you know, hey, the, well, even if let's say the LGBT community is out to overthrow Christianity and wants to, you know, completely demolish it, and there are enemies which is the The most ridiculous thing i've ever heard
0: exactly i would just like to be very clear that i do not believe that and i think that that i don't either (laughs) so problematic you believe that i just would like to be
1: abundantly clear exactly i do not believe that either that was just an extreme exaggeration Because I have heard people say that. Oh, yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and there was probably a time when I might have said that myself, you know, because of what I had been influenced by. But Mm -hmm. what I'm what I'm trying to say with that is, is even if that were true, and I don't believe it is, but even if that were true, we still have the command by God to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. Yeah. And I don't see that happening in the church today. And I really feel like that's super important for us to do. Mm-hmm. So um, what about you, Paige? How do the life and words of Jesus inspire you most in this area?
0: Yeah, I could say so many things. And as we were kind of preparing for this conversation, like 10 the lines of thought kind of came through my head. I will stick with two. <laughs> <laughs> um the first one is i mean we've already talked about this like love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind love your neighbor as yourself um these are the greatest commandments and i think how i used to see love which i've kind of mentioned Mm
1: -hmm.
0: will be love people by controlling their actions and if I can prevent people, if I can make laws that prevent people from sinning, that must be good. Mm-hmm. That must be loving my neighbor. Um, and, and it's not that I don't think that there is like some valid discussion there, because mm-hmm. ultimately we do have laws that say we do have laws that you can't steal. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the Ten Commandments are also <laughs> laws that we have. You know not all of them, obviously, but, um, and so I'm not saying that that's like not a valid conversation to have, but what I am saying is that I've kind of landed in a different place (laughs) than I started. Um, because when I see the love of God, it is encouraging people obviously to Um, not sin like the love Mm. of God doesn't encourage people to sin nor do I right but it also doesn't control what people do the love of God in scripture like you you just you don't see Jesus in the New Testament forcing people to do anything you don't see God waving a magic wand making people do things you see God partnering with people to bring his kingdom to earth. Mm-hmm. You see God partnering with people to show love, not through control, but through compassion and kindness and support and walking alongside, alongside people going through really, really hard things and helping them. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I think of is that when the scriptures were being written in the New Testament, like people didn't vote. This is not a thing that happened. (laughs) in This is like a 200-year-old thing. (laughs) Right. I just just think we have to say that. Like, the people in the scriptures didn't vote on things. Okay? They just didn't. They didn't get a say in their government. They had an empire who controlled them. Mm-hmm. and they had an empire that forced them to do things, and they had an empire that, like, when Jesus came on the scene, that the Jewish community was looking, it. it was coming to that point in time when the Daniel, you know, kind of prediction was kind of coming to pass, and they were looking for their Messiah, were was, okay, is Israel going to be restored, and I mean, They, people in jesus's time probably knew family members or people they were close to who had been mass crucified by rome that was very common Mm. to crucify jewish people um i mean there were like rebel uprisings like this was like a very volatile time when this was written sorry we live in a very different time right now we Mm -hmm. um don't execute people for their religious beliefs in our government presently in this particular (laughs) um and hopefully never again (laughs) right um we have a say in who we elect and what our policies are and how our rulers rule and that just isn't something that people in the new testament had a concept of Mm -hmm. and so there isn't like a scripture and verse where Jesus says, this is how you vote. This is how you use your political power because they didn't have any. Mm -hmm. And so we have to get kind of creative, right? With how we see these things. We have to really think about it. We have to look at principles. We have to look at the big picture. And while Jesus didn't talk about voting, Jesus did talk about power. Jesus did talk about how we use our power and that we're supposed to use our power for the least of these, that if we have more power than someone else, the way we use our power isn't to hoard it and take every power, it's to give our power away for the benefit of others. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at what that power is, when we have relational power, we have, um, a power in a vote. We have power in, um, money. We have power in our voice. We have power in how we use our time. Like there Mm -hmm. are all different ways that we have power and voting is one of them. And so while Jesus doesn't talk about voting specifically, he talks a lot about loving people, loving people in practical ways and using Mm -hmm. our power for the benefit of others. And so if my politics only me Mm -hmm. and people like me and if my politics controls everyone into doing what I think is best then it seems to me to be divorced of what we see in the ethic of Jesus Mm -hmm. and another thing that is really convicting for me because Jesus does talk a lot about power and he talks a lot about how we use our power and he talks a lot about the actual things that we do here now and Mm. how they matter and how they matter spiritually. um, It's in the story of the sheep and the goats. And you'll probably hear me talk about this a lot. And I know I mentioned it already, but I just want to read it for maybe Uh somebody who isn't familiar. It is a little bit of a longer passage, um, but I will just, I'll just read it. Um, This is in Matthew 25 starts in verse 31. for I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. Stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? or a stranger, clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whoever you did not sorry, truly, I will tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into lies, and I think, rightly, we often think about that in terms of personal responsibility and personal reasons. so I, like, bought you food with money, or I gave you clothes from my closet, or, like, We think of that as like what we as individuals can physically do for people. And I think that's so good. And I think that's a huge part of it. But Mm. I also think that how we vote does some of these things. Like we get to take care of poor people with how we vote. Mm -hmm. We get to take care of um, people who are in prison based on how we vote. Like we get to do so many of these things. And that's a privilege. Mm -hmm. That's a privilege that people in the Bible didn't have. Mm -hmm. And so... Of course, like Jesus doesn't say for these things, but I think when we look at the ethic of using all that we have for the glory of God, if I say that my vote isn't a part of that, that feels really untrue to me. That mm-hmm. feels like I'm, I'm taking a privilege that God would say or that Jesus would say to use for my neighbor, like to lay down my vote, not, what is for, best for, not for what is best for me, but what is best for the least of these, the people who have less than I have. And I think that for me, it feels very wrong and it feels true. And it feels very, quite frankly, sinful to separate how I vote from all of the other things that I do in my life. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I'm going to give hot hands to homeless people, like mm-hmm. physically. I'm going to hand them with my physical body. I'm also going to write a bunch of letters to city council and tell them exactly how barbaric I think they are I'm also going to use my vote to prioritize tax dollars to take care of the leaf disease right like it's holistic it's not that the only way I love my neighbors is in my vote but I cannot exclude my vote from how I love
1: my neighbors Mm -hmm. Um, I I totally agree And I think we see that again in in the book of James, where he talks about, you know, if a brother, how do we, how do we see our faith? And he uses this specifically, like what good is faith if your brother or sister comes to you uh, in need of clothing or food and you say to them, go and be filled and be warmed, but yet you don't give them the things that they have need of, how are you? how is this helping the situation, you know, and then, and then further on in, in James, he mentions, you know, that true religion and undefiled is to care for the widows and the fatherless and the destitute. And so if we're not using every resource, I like how you put that, where you were talking about every resource. So it's, uh, it's not just, you know, you know, yes, absolutely, you know, we want to do things locally, we want to be on the local level, we want to, you know, if we can open our church doors to be able to allow them, you know, a place to stay, you know, find out ways that we can help, if, you know, people are looking for volunteers, we volunteer, if there's things that we can do to make someone's life less harsh during this time, that we do those things but we also want to look at what systems are in place in our government and you know if we look at if we look at you know a lot of people say well in the bible it was the church that did this well yes sort of because they didn't really have a government structure for this but if you look at the old testament their government was connected to the church because it was a theocracy so their government did handle the care mm-hmm. for the poor and those 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 weren't just religious laws those were civic laws as well that mandated mm-hmm. that the fields not be completely clean, cleared so that the poor could go and gather the food that was a form yes. of government assistance if you will taking from those that had was, a field and their, and their radical hospitality because exactly. strangers
0: would come exactly. i mean Lot in in the Old Testament, like these angels, it's <laughs> like practicing this really problematic, of course, radical hospitality. Um, right. I understand Lot is maybe not the best example, but I think that's where that comes from. Like,
1: because well, there's people examples of that. Your house, well, there's, there's not. There's examples of that throughout scripture, and and um, yeah. one of the one of the I I want to say it maybe James again. But it might have been one of the other, other small books in, in the end of the Old Testament where it talks about you know making sure that you're hospitable and you accept people because sometimes when you accept people into your home, you're accepting an angel unawares. And so you know that, that idea that this is you know this is part of what your life is built on. And I think we can learn a lot from, you know, the old Jewish customs and the ideas of the mitzvahs and the different things that they have in place. Even today, that's a part of their culture that is a giving culture and a supporting culture and how they support the entire system. Like they supported the families, you know, there's more integration of families during that time. There was a lot of, you know, and that's why talk about widows is kind of weird in there. And that's something we can get into when we get into our talk about finances and, and how God yeah. views that. But, but it's just, you know, like you said, it's all about that holistic approach and that it's not just, you know, yes, I can do that, do some of this myself, but at my reach becomes so much further, so much bigger. I can reach more people more effectively by, using my vote to vote for policies that's gonna protect the poor, that's gonna protect the foreigner, that's gonna protect the, the widow and the orphan and all of those things. You know, obviously there are times when we're gonna open our homes and bring the orphans in. And there are times when we're going to support the, the biological families. And there's times that we're gonna support you know, all of these different things. And there's ways that we can do that individually, but then we also need that corporate power that's gonna bring more help to more people. Yeah, so.
0: and I, I think Alisa Sharon Harper in her book, The Very Good Gospel talks about this a lot, but politics is at its most basic level how the polis lives together and the polis being the people, right? Like mm-hmm. how do we live together? And you have libertarians who think that how we should live together is that our government does much nothing. <laughs> they, <laughs> they make no decisions. We have people who might be Republicans who are like, we believe that the best way for people to live together is for government to have the most minimal um that it is active but very minimal, right? Um yeah. and again, like we can have conversations about how that practically plays out. Right. That's the that's the philosophy, right? Mm. And then you have um people who might call themselves Democrats who are like we think that the government should be leveraged to its you know fullest potential. And mm. so you have all of these different kinds of ideas for how the people should live together how the Polis should live together. Mm. And I think fundamentally, like there is there is value in all of those conversations, mm-hmm. right? So I don't want to end this conversation saying like, well, I think conservatives are wrong about everything and their whole entire position for how the people should live together is just crap. Like, I don't believe that. I, right? I have a lot of criticism for how that ethic is played out. on on all sides with libertarians democrats and republicans i can criticize all day um like but i I do just want to be really clear that like i think all three of those kind of main ways of looking at how the people live together have something valid in them Mm -hmm. and and having these conversations where we say like this is our ethic. This is how it plays out. This is what we see in scripture. It's just really important uh, Mm. that, that we first say, like, all of these views are, are welcome, but we Mm. really need to be very thoughtful about how our ethic plays out. Because when we say that our vote has nothing to do with our religion, our vote has nothing to do with what we see about Jesus, our vote you know, it's totally separate government and our, you know, it's Mm. it's just totally different than everything else in my religious life. When we really segregate those things, I think it's really easy to give ourselves an excuse Mm -hmm. to not have to actually think about those things.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So if how I vote has nothing to do with my faith then I'm not accountable to God for how I vote. Right. Right I'm not accountable to God for what I do in the political sphere. Um and, and I just like our vote is a privilege and our vote is power. And I think that if people in you know like if Paul had some sort of idea that voting was a thing, probably would have talked about it. <laughs> and so so much of what i hear from christians is like well the bible just doesn't say anything about politics and voting and so like just Mm -hmm. seems really separate and it's like i just really want to challenge that i just really want to push back against that and say yeah the bible doesn't talk about voting because it didn't exist (laughs) It talks talks a lot about how the people should live together the polis should live together talks Mm -hmm. a lot about how we use our privilege, talks a lot about loving our neighbor. Mm -hmm. And I think all of those things can and should be tied in to our voting accountability
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because it's a privilege to pretend like those things are intertwined. It's a privilege to think that we don't have to use our power in that way. It's a Mm -hmm. privilege to separate those things because there are people for whom they cannot separate those things that their livelihood their literal life their children depends on how they vote politically there are people for whom their literal dignity depends on how they vote mm-hmm. their literal personhood yeah the rights they have as people and so like these are these are big stakes these are mm. these are these are not small potatoes. Mm-hmm. And so I think like we have to understand that we will be standing before our king one day.
1: We'll be saying
0: like, what did you do with what I gave you? And in America, we were given a vote.
1: We're That's given not a lot true
0: everywhere people. else. Yeah, we were given a lot more than a vote. But that <laughs> is something that we have, right? Like not mm-hmm. everybody in this world has been given this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: we have influence in how people live together in a way that that people in other countries can't even fathom like there are theocracy still <laughs> there are places where you have to be the religion of your state there are places where you know like we don't have these kinds of privileges where i can leverage my political power for the benefit of my neighbor and i not doing so is not something that I can justify I can't stand before Jesus and say yeah you gave me a lot and I used my money for your will and I used my time for your will and I prayed and I loved my neighbors with cookies and meals and babysitting and all those things are good but like, I voted for my own interests and I think that's fine, Jesus. Like, I just can't say that. I can't mm-hmm. look at the, I can't look at Jesus one day and say that I used all of these other things for the glory of his kingdom, but I used my vote for my own interests. That mm-hmm. just doesn't, that just doesn't seem biblical to me. That doesn't seem Christ-like to me.
1: Yeah, I think um, of this yeah. along the lines of, uh, you were mentioning the things that we've been given, you know, the, the story of the talents and how would that play out if we considered our vote a talent you know that yeah. talent that we had to give we we have the opportunity with our vote to multiply it to multiply its yeah. impact and if we wrap it up and put it in a napkin to essentially keep our own interest intact and not care for the others and not maximize that impact then we we are Failing at the job that God gave us to do, and so I think I think that's a really, really good analogy. I'm I'm excited to look at this as we go forward and dig deeper into specific topics that we have. Um, what what is our topic for next week, Paige? We were talking about um, working on. I know we had a couple up here.
0: <laughs> yeah, up next is women's equality. Um, Yay, that is gonna be fun. Um, some wealth and poverty um and we're gonna you know talk about things like abortion and immigration and um to really talk about this like general introduction um and then how we apply these things that we're talking about to actual topics um Mm. because this was just like a general conversation about how we see these things pretty broadly um but we really do want to get into to some really specific things um do you have any final thoughts on on our discussion
1: uh, discussion no Um. looking here you know i i really want these you know there to have convert make these conversations that we can have and people can share with con- their conservative friends you know um yes we're obviously going to attract a lot of people who think like us and believe like us, hopefully, you know, and have some conversations with them. But really, I would hope to hear from people who are using this to open the doors to have conversations. These are conversations that, you know, I would love to have with some of my siblings, with some of my family members who are on the opposite side of the spectrum, and who, you know, don't don't see things the same way. And you know, a lot of times it's not easy to have that conversation because we're so close together, you know, it's family. And so we take it more personally and it becomes very, you know, aggressive because I need to convince you, you know, and all of those things. And so I think, you know, I'm hoping that maybe these conversations are a way that, you know, it's not an attack on your beliefs. We don't want people to think that, that um, you're, you know, obviously, you know, we don't want people to think that you, like you said, um, the conservatives aren't necessarily all wrong. Um, there, there are very good things yeah, that they, they stand that. for. <laughs> um, I, I, think there's a lot there's going to be a lot of pushback against the conservatives right now because of how things have been played out in the last four years because of that. And I think it's more of a, Holding them accountable to what they taught us. That's something that I really feel strongly about. Like I was taught a certain way for almost 40 years now. And then to have them turn around and in the last four years, pretty much flip flop on everything that they ever taught me is like, what in the world, you know? And so we, I think there is, <laughs> and there should be a little bit of pushback on that and how that played out in, in order to prevent it from happening again and in order to prevent it from, from going further. But at the same time, you know, obviously we do not want our conservative brothers and sisters to feel like this is an attack on them or this is an attack on their beliefs. We want this to yeah. be a conversation. And if as a conservative yeah. member, listener you know you're interested in providing your side of the story and would like to hop on here on a conversation with us I think uh, Paige and I would both be very welcome to have a civil conversation regarding specific issues and talk about them in a civilized manner that would not undermine the human dignity of anyone in the group and I think that would be you know, something that we're open to and we hope that this will will bring about. Like, you know, it's not just us talking about this. We wanna have, you know, build conversations and we're hoping that this will be used to help influence conversations that are happening within households and hopefully lead to a more unified Christian front um, going forward, that the church will be unified and not in a way that some people are calling for unity where we just sweep everything that we disagree with under the rug, mm-hmm. but that we bring it all in the open. You know, Peacemaking actually mm-hmm. re- involves bringing all of our um, disagreements into the open mm-hmm. so that we can hash them out so that we can actually come to a place where we can say, ah, I see, I agree. And we can get in that actual unity instead of pretending like we don't have any differences and pretending like this doesn't exist for us. And in that we can, you know, that doesn't, that that's not unity. That's not, um, I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about that. I think he really wants us to have those tough conversations, these tough topics, and address them and get deeper in them so that we can say, you know, we've gone to the bottom of this, and this is the best that we can do at this point in time. Our minds are open to, you know, being influenced by God's word, by the Holy Spirit, and to be continue to grow. And, you know, things I say today, next week might be a little, I might view a little differently, just because I've grown in that time period. And I've I've been provided with a different perspective, and I think that that's important to do, and that's important to say, I don't always know it, I don't always have it right, mm-hmm. I don't always get it right, and you know that's that's um, that's important for us to state as well. So, do you have any final thoughts, Paige?
0: Yeah, just a few. I think um, these conversations are that we're going to have are really good for like all different kinds of people. So if you maybe share some of our beliefs, but you have a really hard time talking to your family about it, you can share us talking about it. You can, um, you know, when we post these on social media, like we want you to answer some of these questions for yourself in the comments. Like, again, like being respectful, being full of human dignity. Um, but ultimately, like, I do believe that conservatives and liberal people not only can work together but should like we need somebody at the table saying how can we leverage our resources we need somebody at the table saying right but how are we going to pay for it like we need these people <laughs> right but right now instead of having these kinds of conversations, we're just demonizing the other people right mm. we're just saying all republicans are bad all democrats are bad all like whatever we're just like they want to destroy our country. They want to be fascist. They want to be communist. They want Soviet Russia to take over Like whatever <laughs> we just right. say all these really big things that just makes the other person our enemy. Instead of saying, tell me more about that. Tell me more about how you came to this opinion. Mm-hmm. What values go into that? What you know, like We all actually have a seat at this table and we need each other to have a country that thrives. And so unity isn't homogeny. (laughs) Unity is saying, I need your perspective. I need your perspective. I need your perspective. And all together at the table, we make this conversation better. We make our country richer. But when we- Compromise is not a dirty word. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But we silo ourselves into only thinking that our side is right and the other side is our enemy and they want to destroy our country and they want to destroy our religion. It's like and both sides do it. Mm-hmm. We' the other person. And so I think this conversation is good for people who maybe agree with us but don't know how to talk about it with other people. And with people who don't agree with us to like be a part of this conversation, so that it can be richer. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, guys, did it. <laughs> we <Now> our conversation. <laughs> so <laughs> this is our first conversation in our series, tough topics, conversations about how faith and politics collide. Um, next time we are gonna talk about women's uh, equality. So that should be really fun. Um, but ultimately, Um, We just want this to be a place where we preserve human dignity and other people and have these kinds of hard conversations. And so we'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. thank you guys for joining us in this first conversation. You can subscribe in your favorite podcast application and have these conversations come straight to your phone if that is something you choose. Um, Either way, we're just so happy that you joined us. We're happy that you listened in on this conversation and we hope that this empowers you to have these kinds of tough conversations in your lives and with people that you know and love. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.